0: series called Behind uh, the Curtain. Uh, we talked about this last week. Just in case you didn't know for my younger people, maybe you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, but the, the picture that'll be on the screen, uh, Dorothy and Tin Man and the lion, uh, who do I miss? Scarecrow. Uh, they they are, are trying to get back home, right? And they are presented with the great and powerful Oz, right? And they come back, they've done what they're supposed to, they see the great and powerful Oz. Oz. And then Toto goes over and he pulls the curtain back and there's this guy speaking on the microphone as the great and powerful Oz. And he turns around and he sees that he's been exposed, right? The great and powerful Oz is no longer the great and powerful Oz. And so pulls the curtain, he says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. See, in the moment, they, they are living in one reality of who the Oz is, the great and powerful Oz. But but, but that all changes. And they get a clearer picture of who the Oz actually is, the great and powerful. Uh, see, the, the truth is our perceptions become our reality. Whether they're true or not, our perceptions of one another, our perceptions of things are our reality. And so that is true when it comes to the church as well. What you may perceive about the church, what you think about the church, not just Trinity, but the church as a whole is your truth. It is your reality. It is your own experience. Maybe you've had a really bad experience with church or with leadership or with a pastor. And I am so thankful that you are giving it another shot that you're here, that you have persevered through those difficult times. You've kept your attention and your focus on Jesus. But I just know in the midst of being in church and all of those things, there's this perception of what church is. And so we thought, all right, let's just pull pull the curtain back. Let's talk about our core values. We call them our heartbeat. Let's pay attention to what is most important to us. It's like everyone probably has it. You have the junk drawer. uh, You have the closet that you end up throwing everything into. In our new house, we have a second story. And so we've just realized that sometimes the second story doesn't look as nice as the first story because people don't go up to the second story. And so we, we often live life in this way where we give this perception of who we are, but it's, it's not really true all the time. And so We want to be really honest. We we want to talk about where we're strong and where we're weak, uh, things we're doing really well and things that we're hoping to become better at. And so we're just taking a look at these core values. And we call it our heartbeat because for me, it's things that are vital to us. It, It is what is most important. When we meet as a leadership, when we decide what we're going to do, in my mind, there are always these things. It's kind of a filter of what we do, and, and I pay attention to these things and ask myself, are we doing well in these, or are we, are we not? So I'm going to do four today, uh, hopefully, and uh, three last week. The three we looked at last week were these, uh, that we'll find our identity in God alone, that there's going to be all kinds of things that want to tell you who you are or what you are, and we're going to push those aside, and we're going to Find our identity in God alone, that we're going to push away shame and guilt and the idea that if we do certain things, then God is pleased and loved us, love us. But we're going to see that our identity is found as sons and daughters of a loving father and our obedience, how we live comes out of, of that. That we're going to help every person take their next step, their next step in following Jesus. We're all in a different place on our spiritual journey, all at different places. And that's good. But everyone can take a step closer, and those are different for all of us. And so we want to help everyone take their next step in following Jesus. And then we talked about how we're spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. So we come and consume. We get something from God. We receive grace. We receive love. But there's also this wonderful invitation to participate in what God is doing, that so we don't have to just come and consume, but we can also participate in the mission of, of God. So we're going to look at four uh, this morning. The first one we're looking at uh, today is the saying I say every Sunday, Uh, and that is that we'll lead the way with radical generosity. If you've been here, you hear me say that, and and I don't want that to just be lip service. I don't want when you hear me say that just for you to check out. Like I want that to be something almost that we repeat with one another every Sunday, that that we're going to be the kind of people that in our community lead the way with generosity. Then when people think of Trinity or when someone says, hey, do you go to church somewhere? And you say, yeah, I go to Trinity. Oh, man, you guys are generous people. Uh, generous with our, our resources, with our money, but also with our time and with our energy. But, but it's not just as a church. It's you as individuals. It's myself. I don't know if you know this, but, but Jesus talks about money a lot. He talks about money a lot. He, he actually, scholars, theologians, people who have counted words and sayings, he actually talks more about money than heaven and hell combined. We talk about how loving God is. Uh, Jesus talks as much about money and finances as he does about love. And, and here's the reason why I believe 2,000 plus years ago, as Jesus talks about this, he knew at the heart of people that there would be this battle that takes place between our possessions and our stuff and getting more and our heart that is given over to him. That Jesus knew, this is fascinating, that 2000 plus years ago, that Jesus talked to those people about that. And he could still say the same thing for us today, that there is this battle that often goes on in our heart. This battle between when is enough enough and getting more and how we feel about that. And this idea of living generously, Now, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. It's a red, hard Bible. We'd love for you to have that. If you have a smartphone or uh, a way of looking at that digitally, I'd encourage you to do that. But it says this in Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 20. It says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when he talks about this storing up treasures on earth, he's just talking about the stuff that we can buy, the possessions that people can give us, that easily in a moment can be destroyed or lost or stolen. I don't know if you've ever had something stolen from you. Uh, My my first uh, Christmas home, I hadn't been back to Oklahoma City from when I went to school. Uh, I had been there one night and someone broke in and stole my my radio. First night back in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think, man, you know, it's a one-time thing. I go back at that summer. The first night I'm home at summer, someone breaks in and steals it again. And there is something about when our stuff is stolen. We hold so tightly to it. Right, the way people talk about someone who steals. Right? There, is, there is this next level of someone who steals from someone. And I think often that comes down to how we feel about our stuff. Right? We've worked hard for it. We often find our identity in it. And when it is taken, something happens to us. And so here's the truth. I don't believe that God is saying you can't have things. I, I don't think Jesus is saying that you can't have nice things. What I think he's just saying is if you begin to store up all these treasures here on earth and you find your identity and your worth in those things, that if you think that those things will bring fulfillment and hope, you're just going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed because he says, wherever your treasure is, your heart begins to go there. So if your treasure is people, right, we, we get mixed up. What, what happens is we're supposed to love people and use possessions, but often what happens is we just love our possessions and we use people, right? And we get it backwards. So Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't get it mixed up. Have stuff and, and that's fine. But when you begin to think about storing up for yourselves treasures here, your heart goes to those things. So how you see your work and your money and your resources become more about yourself and not about living generously. He just says, man, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That the things that God cares most about, the things that he talks about, things that bring glory to God. He says, give your heart there. And so we, we have this choice. Well, we live our lives close fisted with what we have, right? Whatever you have, you live close fisted And so uh, in, in our house, uh, we had some people over, some young girls, and we had hot chocolate. And I told my wife before they came over, there is going to be spills, right? There are going to be spills and there were spills, right? And I remember seeing a spill and thinking, it's just stuff. It's not that we don't want to be good stewards of our stuff, but when you begin to live so close fisted, you're like, oh, no one can come over. No one can walk on the carpet. We've got to put plastic on our couches. Anyone ever? Yeah, right. We don't, want to, we don't want to hurt our stuff because our stuff means so much to us. And Jesus is saying, when you begin to store up for yourself all these treasures on earth, It's where your heart lives. He just says, begin to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so our eternal perspective, when we realize what is most important, our eternal perspective will impact our earthly possessions. And so, again, we begin to love people and use possessions instead of loving what we have and using people. So listen, Paul says this to Timothy He's encouraging Timothy, who was going to lead, lead a church in Ephesus. And so he's giving him some advice. And, and listen to what he says to, to Timothy, who would have been a younger, a younger guy, leading a group of people. He says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Again, Paul is telling Timothy, tell your people everything you have is meant to be enjoyed. There's nothing wrong with that. But he says, those who are rich in this present world, and we are rich in this present world, do not be arrogant. Don't have an exaggerated, what he's saying is, don't have an exaggerated view of your importance because of what you have. So if you are rich, and you have wealth, and you have stuff, don't have an exaggerated view of how important you are. He says, don't don't be arrogant, and don't put your hope in that stuff, hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. And that would be good. Like if that ended there, that is good teaching, right? But but he goes on and he says, command, instruct, inform, tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Not just, not just to do good, but to be rich in good deeds, to be abundant in your good deeds so so we're not even talking just money here i mean paul's just saying let it be this natural way of living life where you're just doing good to people if you see someone who needs assistance you 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 give assistance not financially but if someone needs your time or your energy you are rich in good deeds and then he says be generous just live life open-handed if you have something and someone needs you, you give If you have the abundance of of wealth and and you have some extra, or you want to live in a way where you strategically have extra, you you give it away. But Paul is saying, Timothy, tell your people, tell them this is the good way of living life to be rich and abundant in good deeds and to be generous. So we're going to be rich in our actions, in our time, our talents our money, and and we we want that to be true about Trinity, but I want that to be true about your life as well. And this is hard. It's hard. It's hard because we often give God all of our lives except that. Right? We'll we'll give God everything, but I just don't know if I really want God to touch my money, my things. And that is where Jesus is saying, look, he actually says you, you can't serve two masters, right? The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of it is the root of all evil. And you can't serve both God and money, right? And so he's saying, look, there's a better way, but it is going to be hard. And this is hard for you because at some point someone maybe has guilted you into it, right? They've guilted you into it. They, they've promised something, right? They've promised if you just give, then this will happen, Right? They promise a blessing if you would be a blessing, and, and I'm not sure that's always scriptural. We give out of obligation, not out of a transformation, that our hearts have been transformed, and so we give, and so because of that, it becomes really hard, especially in the church. Or we say things like, one day I'll give. One day. I, I, just, I, I get out of debt, and, I, and that was m- me before I married my generous wife. Uh, I didn't grow up in church, but, like, I'll be generous one day. Like, when I win that lottery, man, I'm going to give so much money away, right? We, we live this way. If I could reach this point, then then I'll be generous. But, but if it's hard, if it's hard for us to be generous with a little, it is going to be hard to be generous with a lot, right? And so we, we it's not too late. It's not too late to begin to be generous. And then in the church, and I think this is, Unfortunately, a story for many of you is money maybe was mismanaged. And so we around here, uh, we, we want to invite you to be generous with your time and talents. Right, We know that in a group like this, there are some people who just financially at this time, they're just not able to, but, but I think and I believe that all of us can be generous with our time and talents here at Trinity and outside of this building But then I also think that all of us can be even a little bit generous with our money. And so we want you to to know that we are trying our hardest to be really good stewards of what we have. Uh, In our Trinity 101 class, when I talk about this, I often talk about what's on the wall. And these have been up for a while. And if you don't know what those are, uh, they're plates. Like recycled cardboard plates, right? And and Greg is so good, our worship uh, leader. He's so good at... At doing things at basically no cost. We're, we're going to be really smart and wise with what we have. We, we are going to be good stewards. We have lots of checks and balances with, with money. And so when you give, just know that, that there are lots of people who see what is is spent. And so if money being mismanaged is difficult for you, if being generous with the church is hard for you, then I've said this over and over, find somewhere else to be, to be generous. I mean, the church only functions... Uh, through our giving collectively, there's no grants. The city doesn't give us any money. Uh, we we do what we do because of generosity of people like you. Yeah. We we only do what we can do be, because of that. But but here, just some real talk. We're we're behind this year. Yeah. Um, we're significantly behind. We're projected to come in um, behind from what we budgeted, um, fifteen to twenty thousand somewhere in there. And when you hear that number, you're like, oh my gosh, we're we're gonna we're going to be in trouble. Well, a couple of things. Uh, we, we have some faith, right? We have some faith that God will provide exactly what we need. We're wise, uh, just like you have a budget. We have a budget, so we're not going to spend above uh, what we have. Um, the biggest impact, and this is where I want to make sure you're aware of this, is we belong to a denomination. And so when you give, 15 and a half percent of what is given goes directly out of the church, uh, we're helping fund uh, church plants. We're helping fund missionaries around the world. And so whatever we bring in, 15 and a half percent of that goes out. And so uh, if we're just behind that, we just give less. And so I just want you to know that that's not a guilt, just a, an awareness for all of us, what that, what that looks like. But, but here's what we are going to do. Uh, we're going to continue to be generous. Right? Our, our dollar days, uh, our, our Empower North County, everything we're doing through our, our compassionate ministry, our affordable care, we're going to live generously and we're going to trust God that he'll provide exactly what we need. That, that will never change. No matter how small our budget gets, uh, we're going to live generously. And, and that happens for different reasons. We, we've lost some families, some families have moved uh, away, uh, but, but I am excited for what we've been able to do and what we are doing and so we're going to continue to invite you to participate, both with your time and talents and with your finances. But as always, no guilt or shame. Just an invitation. Uh, I am going to encourage you to give strategically, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, we often will not become generous if we don't make it a priority. So just strategically figure out, okay, this is what we're going to do, and then we will do what what Paul instructs Timothy to do, we're, we're going to follow that teaching and that we are going to be rich in good deeds. Um, we're going to do all we can to, to follow that teaching. And so we're going to lead the way. We're going to set the example of what it means to live generously. All right, number two. Uh, that was the long one, I promise. Uh, the, the, next, the next year will go quicker. Uh, this follows along uh, with that. We're, we're for God's kingdom more than our own kingdom. As a church, we're for the ways of God more than our own ways as a church. But specifically for you, again, we want to live generously as a church, uh, but I want you to have a generous heart. Uh, As a church, we're going to care more for God's kingdom, meaning uh, that it doesn't matter how big Trinity gets with people or buildings that we have, if our community around us is in shambles and no one knows we're here, and if we left, no one would notice or care, then we're not doing something right. We're going to care about our community and about other churches even as much as we care about ourselves. Listen to uh, two scriptures. Uh, Jesus teaches this in Luke 12. He says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's going to feel like this is uh, money again, but just listen to the heart of this guy. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he tells him a parable. He tells him this story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. What happens for this in this parable, the, the person in this story, what, what is going on is he cares more about himself than he does about what God is wanting to do. The thought of, I have abundance of possessions. I'm going to hoard it and hold on to it because I need it. My life is about me. And Jesus says, look, this is the same as anyone who is not rich towards God or who does not give themselves over to God. And again, this isn't simply about money, but how money is viewed for self. There's another one, Matthew 13:44 through 46. This is different. And this is where he talks about the kingdom The kingdom of heaven, the ways of heaven. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. He finds the treasure, the thing that is most valuable. And he says, I'm willing to give everything away to have what God would want for me. I'm willing to give myself over completely to that. And when Jesus repeats himself or tells another parable that sounds like it, you know it is important. It is almost as if he says this. He listens to a response. and He's like, they didn't get it. Okay, verse 45. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. He got rid of everything for the one. See, as followers of Jesus, there's this idea that my life is no longer my own. That God's kingdom is more important than what just happens in my own life. And the question we ask is, well, who is in charge of my life? Right? You could say, who sits on the throne of my life? Who is the ruler of the, or the king of my life? Following Jesus is this relocation. It is a movement from one kingdom to the next. Uh, you may know this. I grew up in Oklahoma, and I'm a big Oklahoma fan. Um, I, I still have my Oklahoma stuff. But my address has never been there since I left when I was 18. At 18 years old, I moved to school. My address has never been there. I relocated. That is, that's not my home anymore. Uh, the things that I used to say, and I slip up every once in a while, right? The the way I say words that has changed. There has been a change in me because of the relocation. When you follow Jesus, there is a change that happens in your life and in your heart. There is a relocation. And so as we think about this, we want to be for God more than for ourselves. That we want to be for one another even more than just for ourselves. And then as a church, as I said, we're going to care about what happens here at Trinity, but we're also going to care deeply about our community and what God is trying to do outside of these walls. See, you could have this fortress mentality. As a church, we could have this fortress mentality, this idea that we have these walls and we bring one another in here to protect us by keeping the good in here and the bad out there. But I think the church is more as an outpost. This idea as a place to gather and then to send out. A place to come in and to encourage and equip and then to send out. To take God's kingdom into the places where we are. The main concern of the fortress is what's happening inside of those high walls where the outpost concerns itself with what is going on around outside. We want to be an outpost where the kingdom of God can flow through us, into your jobs, into your homes, into your neighborhoods. And so we're going to care more about God's kingdom than just our own. The third thing, we'll believe in and we'll wholeheartedly invest in young people. We will believe in and we'll wholeheartedly invest and young people. I have big, big news today. Um, I am now the parent of a teenager. Yeah, yeah. My daughter uh, turned 13 uh, today. Yeah, Um, I love it. I do, I really do. I I love that age as a youth pastor. I love junior hires. It's just different when it's your own, Um, but I, I do, I love it. But something hit me this morning. I actually added this. I looked it up. From birth to turning 19, you have about 900 weeks, and that seems like a lot. But it's not. It's really not. And especially when they turn 13, you have 260 left. Right? And this is what I know. I got one shot. We got one shot. And so we're going we're gonna to be the kind of church where we invest in and we believe in and we support and we care for our kids. So, so a, few, a few things with that. Unfortunately, a lot of kids reach an age where they want nothing to do with the church. It's not really about Jesus. Uh, they, they still are okay with Jesus. Uh, they just don't want much to do with the church. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. But I think one of those is just they haven't had a group of people who have come alongside of them and said, we believe in you, we care for you. Young people are looking for a couple things, and, and I'm including our young adults even in this. They want to know that they're really loved. Like really, there's this desire for kids and for teenagers and for young adults and for us as adults, but even more for them, that they wanna know that they are really loved. Uh, they wanna know that they belong somewhere. They're trying to find a place to belong. We use the language, a place to belong. And I promise you specifically with our junior hires and our high schoolers, they wanna know and they're gonna try and find somewhere to belong. And then the third thing is they wanna know, do I have purpose? Does my life matter, right? And so what a beautiful opportunity for a group of people, and you may not have kids or you may have grandkids now, but for a group of people to come alongside of kids and say, this is a place for you, right? For young adults who have kids and say, look, I wanna be a part of that church because they let my kids be kids, right? And so afterwards, you'll see kids around this place and run around, this is a building, right? We wanna be good stewards of a building, but it is a building. It is a building where we come and we turn our attention to to God, but it is a building. We have to remember that. And it is a great place for kids to be loved and to know that they belong. And I thought about this this week. I was with Kristen, our youth pastor. We we were at a convention, a youth uh, worker convention. She's still there this morning. Uh, But just this idea of what, what better place for a kid to fail. Our kids are gonna fail. But a place that... would would come alongside of them when they fail. To not give shame or guilt or to judge, but to say you are deeply loved here. Listen to what Jesus says. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was an indignant. He began to show anger and was annoyed. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them that's the the part that I, I want you just to think about. We don't want to do anything as a church that would hinder kids in their faith, right? We don't want to rob them of a childlike faith. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. We see this multiple times where Jesus People try to keep kids away, and Jesus said, don't, don't even think about it. And then he says, if you don't even become like a child, you'll, you'll never enter into the kingdom. And so we're going to be a place where with our money we invest in kids, with our time we invest in kids, this is going to be important to us. As we dedicate kids, we're going to dedicate these babies we've been having, we're going we're to be dedicating them, and I tell you, you play a responsibility in that. Right, to pray for them, to encourage them, to maybe even babysit for them. Right? There, there's this opportunity. We have a nursery down here. We have a nursery. And, and just let me say this. For those of you who don't have young kids right now, uh, maybe you haven't had kids. Uh, maybe your kids are grown. We need you. We need. I, I need you. <laughs> uh, I need advice. I need help. Uh, we, we need you. We need you to rock babies and to love our kids well. The, the one thing, and I've said this before, the one thing I love about pastoring a church uh, where the, the church deeply loves my kids and allows them to just be kids is they have a whole big family. Uh, lots of, of uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents, people who love them, and, and I want that to be a place for all kids to come in where they know the church loves them and they love the church. I, I do not want to, to hear stories of our kids leaving the church because they didn't feel like the church is a place they could belong or where they weren't loved. Let's be that kind of church. We're going to grow in our young families. We, we want them to know this is a place for them and their kids. And we're in this together. We're in this together. So, we're going to believe in we're going to wholeheartedly invest in young people. And then the final one and this one's a short one, that we're going to follow the life and teaching of Jesus. If Jesus said to do it, we're going to do it. What Jesus says as most important to love God and to love people, we're going to do it. Uh, I got really good in high school at memorizing things. I had a pretty good GPA because I could memorize. It didn't mean I learned anything. It didn't mean I could apply anything. I just memorized it. I would cram for the 30 minutes before a test. I'd go in. I had kind of a, a photographic memory. It was before some concussions. But uh, I had this photographic memory, and I just memorized, right? But nothing happened. I didn't, I didn't learn anything. The danger in the church is for us to just hear lots of sermons, to, to memorize scripture, which is really good, but then not to apply it, right? So we, we want to put into action what we are learning. Again, the words of, of Jesus found in Luke 6, 46 through 49. These are the words of, of Jesus. He says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why, why do you put the, uh, 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 the word, or the affection behind that word of calling me your Lord if you're not going to do what I've told you to do. It says this, I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock when a flood came and the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus is saying, if you want to build the strong foundation, it's not just about knowing the word of God. It's not just knowing what Jesus has said, but it's about putting them into practice. And that when things happen, when things become difficult, you have a firm foundation that you have built. James, um, uh, talks about this in James 1.22. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. But do it, right? You don't want to be deceived by anybody else, but don't deceive yourself into thinking we can just hear what Jesus said and not put it into practice. And so we're, we're going to fail at this. There's going to be times that, that we personally don't do very well at doing what Jesus wants. We're going to wonder... We're going to wonder what it really looks like to love people. We're going to wonder what it really looks like to forgive one another. And we're not going to do that at times. But our aim, our aim should not simply be to attend a service every weekend, but to apply the ways of Jesus in our lives. That is our aim. The way we love and forgive and serve and sacrifice and speaking up for what is right, to seek justice and love mercy and to live generously. These are the teachings of Jesus, our core values, the heartbeat, come from the words of Jesus. And so our lives are changed because of that. When you read the New Testament, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, a lot of the, the sayings of Jesus are in red letters. So there's this saying, people call themselves this. I don't understand why we would have to, but they're red letter Christians. Right? Like that should be who we are, but there is a title that is put on people who live out the teachings of Jesus. And so we want to be red-letter Christians. We want to know the teachings and the life of Jesus, and we want to follow those things. Well, Greg's going to come up and close us in our song as I just recap these so far. We're going to find our identity in God alone. We're going to be about helping every person take their next step in following Jesus, that we're going to be spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers. We're going to lead the way with radical generosity, that we're going to be for God's kingdom more than our own that will believe in and wholeheartedly invest in young people. And then we're going to follow the ways and teachings of Jesus. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to quickly talk about the final three. But the, the fun part of that is there's going to be this application immediately afterwards. I have a, uh, a friend who's going to come in and, and teach. Um, he's from Oasis International here in St. Louis. And he's going to come in and teach. And so he's going to bring a couple of guests. I hope that you'll come back. I hope you'll be here next Sunday to hear him, uh, to meet the guests that he brings as we figure out what it means to love people, right? Love people, love people. As we figure out what it means to participate in reconciliation and restoration and renewal of our community, we're gonna figure out what those things look like together. Would you stand as I pray and Greg will sing? Father, thanks for today. Uh, Thanks for the challenge you put on my heart five years ago as we've looked at this idea of what makes our heart beat. Lord, these come from you. Um, I pray, Lord, you'd help us. Help us to put these into practice. Not just me, not just as a church, but as individuals. Would you help us to do this? Thanks for your grace as we fail. Uh, Thanks for your mercy as we try to attempt to do what you've called us to do here in North County. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.